welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is Moot. My name is Joe, and I'm, of course, with my better half, no homo, Jeremy. Oh, shucks. There can be some homo. Yeah, a little homo is okay. It's always good. <laughs> it's 2020. If you're not a little homo, I think you're homophobe. <laughs> That's a bold claim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure I've heard some someone made, make that claim at some point. Oh, probably. Yeah. I'm sure I've heard it too. Yeah, but that's probably just a lonely gay guy trying to get laid. Well, and and, and my homophobia pushed it out of my brain, you know, just... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of my brain and into my pants. Uh, That's right. (laughs) Mm. Um, So today's topic is going to be cultural differences between... uh, the land of the north norway and usa usa that's right not enough pride in the usa well i feel like uh, i i give me a flag give me a flag light some fireworks and get me going okay usa Okay, that's racist. That's that better. That, no, that's better. <laughs> I can see like the football body paint. I feel like you're, 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 you're yeah. tailgating right now. You got you got the burger thing going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just drink some beer in the parking lot. You know, with a little bit of practice, I can almost see the eagle. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Just uh, talk my son into fighting someone else's son. <laughs> Uh, see, I know very little about what tailgating is like. All I got is uh, sitcoms, man. Like if you go to a big game, there's just a lot of trucks and people outside grilling, uh, like in the beds of their trucks or outside of the trucks, and people just walking around handing each other beer. It's it's pretty fun. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Uh, yeah, it, 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 honestly, it looks like a real, like kind of like a like a communal bonding thing, you know. Oh, that's, that's absolutely what it is. And then sometimes, like if it's a, you know, if it's like a Brown Steelers game, and so we have a rivalry with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is where Ty's from. So you know, screw that guy. And <laughs> uh, when when there's a game like when there's a big game like that, there's often like kind of unspoken battle lines drawn between the two, and you know, the most the most team centric people are are kind of parked along the edge and the banners come up and the, the foam fingers and you know yeah because it's all in the same parking lot right sort of or field or yeah yeah yeah, yeah but like yeah, like you don't have like um you go on this side of the stadium and the other team's people go on the other side of the stadium you're all kind of like on the same side of the stadium but i'm guessing you piled up in two clusters next to each other right yeah i mean there's there's some mixing that happens but what you do is if you find you've accidentally parked in the Steelers section or something, you know, you take all your decals down and you, you put them in a bag mm-hmm. and then you run over to the brown side and take everything out <laughs> and set up your lawn chair and start eating burgers. <laughs> uh, I, I love that because it's like sports in that sense is kind of like Animal Planet. A little. Well, yeah, it's it's the it's the primal part of entertainment. Yeah, it's like uh, we don't 
we don't have uh, your amazing sports culture, but we do have football teams here. And for American viewers, I should say soccer, I suppose. Um, we have the we have the the football where you kick the ball uh, um, all the time. Um, and uh, our, our, like my my team, like I, obviously, I'm not a sports guy. I don't know much about this, but about sports. <laughs> but my team is called Bron, which in Norwegian just means fire. Uh, and uh, the reason why they're called that is because Bergen has burnt down like a million times uh, <laughs> in the last thousand years because um, it's, uh, it's a very flammable city um, so we've just decided to own that fact through our football team uh, and the Braun supporters when they are like out and about having uh, having a good time before matches and stuff, like at uh, the light trail and everything, they really go all out, man. They really uh, like it, they got that kind of like uh, our vibe because they're not as they're not as uh, intense as our uh, our friends in the south on the Scepter Dial. Yeah, but. They're more intense than anyone else you would find in the entire fucking country. <laughs> like it does look like some some someone put something in their water. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's there's sex there's there are sections like that in in the United States, of course, where some people take it way more serious. Like the Philadelphia Eagles are known F- Philly in general is just known for being nutso about their sports. Like crazy. And <laughs> I learned that from uh, in, It's Sunny. Philly <laughs> <laughs> fans are brutal, man. Love the episode where Charlie's like his legs in the in the bear trap, and he's trying to drink the the cup full of the the, the, the cup of beer up on the thing, and he just winds up drinking his own pee to complete the ritual. Fuck's <laughs> <laughs> oh, sake, Charlie! It's almost that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. I love that guy. Yeah, that's yeah. There's, but there's something. To, uh, Greece, the pole, the street lamps in Philadelphia, like before major games, because fans keep like climbing them and like. <laughs> 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 they put, they put I like, can't believe that. I love that. They're greased. They're actually greasing the poles. That sounds like such a medieval fucking. <laughs> tactic to use <laughs> that's how you keep squirrels out of your out of your feeder it's like the only thing like, that stops them <laughs> it's like greasing the city walls and during a siege yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is like i'm obviously not a huge sports guy but there is something about sports that you just you just can't ignore it you just have to admire it and 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 like you're not no one is above it you always find someone who's above it i used to pretend i was above it when i was an edgy teenager but <laughs> you're you're not you're not when you're in there like because I've, I've been to a few football games in my life with my dad when i say few i mean like two or three um and i get caught up i get like well not caught up but you know excited i get i get really fucking excited i get crazy in there and I don't even know which team I'm rooting for most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 
the air is infectious. And yeah. I think, I think out of going to games, I've been to like, I think hockey and basketball are the most exciting to watch. Hockey. I would love to, I would love to watch hockey. That looks, like, that I, looks exciting. My, my friend got me into not like he didn't get me into hockey, but he, he's such a hockey fan that I started watching some games. It's like, okay, I get this. This is, <laughs> this is cause I'm not a huge, I'm not like a huge sports guy either. Uh, like I don't know individual players. I don't really find baseball super entertaining. I know it's supposed to be, you know, America's pastime, but it's, it, it the games feel way too slow and there, there are too many commercials and it just, it doesn't, there's not enough that happens for me. And I get that there's a whole technical element that I'm not seeing. You know, I never played baseball. Well, I play, okay. I take it back. I played baseball for one year and I was really, really bad. I, our whole team was bad, but I was by far the worst. And there was, <laughs> there's a, there's kind of a little tradition where if your little league team wins, you go out for ice cream and the one time I scored that year, we went out for ice cream anyway, because <laughs> me scoring and us winning, like we, we never won, so we never got to go out to ice cream, and me scoring was just seemed as an impossibility. So when I actually scored, we went out for ice cream anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, any victory is a victory. That's right. That's right. We did not win that game, um, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> That's uh, okay. I mean, you've got to be able to go for ice cream at some point. So then you just, then you just kind of, you move the goalpost. Yeah. Well, and, and so I see, I see how exactly, <laughs> I see how um, baseball would be used would, would be more fun to watch if you played it, I think, because I played basketball for years and I love watching basketball. That's, that's fun as hell. It's, it's a lot faster, but I also see some of the value in you know, the different plays that they make. And I can, I remember being that tired on the court, just exhausted with five minutes left and you still have to like give it your all. And you're just like, I just want to kill myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so See, that, that, that's a, that's a nice difference between the U S and Norway is that you guys have a lot of sports. You, you have a lot of big sports. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of sports you can do. Right. But right. Uh, when it comes to like sports, you watch on TV uh, we don't have that many. Uh, the stuff we have is mostly like um, uh, it's it's obviously uh, football slash soccer, right? That's the big one. Yeah, that's the one uh, everyone watches. That's the, yeah, that that's like the the big one. That's basically popular everywhere, but here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you guys have so many alternatives. That why why do you even need it? Um, and uh, we also have uh, handball. Um, which is mostly played by women. Okay. That's like yeah, that's that's like the 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 popular women's sport. What's handball? Um, I don't know if that's the English uh, name for it. It's essentially football, but you use your hands instead. So you run and you try to throw the ball to each other and throw the ball into the goal. Hmm. Like rugby? No. No, no, no. It's not. It's not a brutal sport. It's not like that. Okay. It's it, it it to the uninitiated, which I am. It just looks like football, except people use their hands instead of their feet. You mean soccer? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean soccer. Uh, so yeah, it's, yeah. So it's uh, it's basically uh, 
that that's the one that's the one that is most popular among women. Uh, like the, there are men's teams for handball as well, but uh, you never hear about those. It's kind of like there are women's teams for soccer as well, but those women's teams tend to not be as popular to watch. Yeah. Um, and I don't exactly know why. Uh, I asked uh, my brother about this once, and he said that it had to do with he thought it was slow. Uh, which I guess I guess it would be more explosive and fast with men's teams, right? But from what I've seen and from what I've heard, uh, the men tend to be a lot more pussy on the field than the women. Uh, because in men's soccer, there's a lot of like faking, like, oh, he tripped me, you know, to yeah. get free shots. But the women, they don't do that. They power through. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's what the, the, the what I appreciate about the differences between basketball and hockey is basketball has a lot of that too. Like you'll see someone... When, when when they catch like a slow motion, you know, shot of someone like their jersey brushes their arm and they fall down and start grabbing their knee or something, you're just like, come on, get <laughs> get up. But in hockey, they that's very rare. They they mostly just beat the shit out of each other, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a gladiatorial arena. It's yes, yeah. yeah that's that's <laughs> minus you know all the murder, but <laughs> yeah. Now, so the sports you see on TV here, there's not that many. We got the we got the the, the soccer, uh, we got the handball, and uh, in the winter season we do also have ski shooting, uh, which is essentially people just uh, being on mess. And then every now and then there's a post where they have to shoot uh, targets really quickly with a gun, and then they put the gun back on their back and then they ski on. You guys are like training a bunch of alpine snipers. Essentially, that's what it is, yeah. yeah. But it's also yeah, one of them. It's like our most popular winter sport. That and ski jumping. Which is a... That's a crazy sport. People do... They, they go down this hundred hundreds of meters slope. And then they jump through the air. And they are, they are like helicopter height in the air. And they're just sliding forward until they go down. And then they land. And all they got to protect themselves is skis. They don't even have a parachute, and they sorely should have one. Huh? Yeah. Let it's me... uh, savage. Uh, like I'm, I'm just thinking the balls on the people who do that. I mean, uh, I would do that because that's it, yeah. I would never do that. Like, how do you even practice that? Like when you're like, well, okay, it's time to do the hundred meters above the uh, above the, the ground thing. It's like okay, um, from ten to twenty to thirty. How, how do you even go there? Like yeah. at some point. You cannot fail during practice because you die and you die savagely. That's how I feel about cliff jumpers and stuff where, where people jump off of mountains and then hang glide, you know? Yeah, but at or, least then you have like, then, oh, yeah, I was thinking cliff jumpers like into the water because at least then you have the water, right? But even even there, like, so they'll, they'll do like some random, I've never done this before. And then they'll get dashed upon the rocks like when they hit the water. Yeah, <laughs> or, or they even fall, fall the wrong way in the water because water is like concrete when you come from that height yeah yeah like you, you, gotta, you, thing. Yeah, you have to you have to cut right in there no i went i i used to not be afraid of heights like i liked roller coasters and we we have there's there's a place called geauga lake slash six flags the name kept changing back and forth when i was growing up and it was a yeah. small theme park and then cedar point is one of the largest roller coaster like entertainment parks in the country and it's like an hour and a half away from where I grew up and so 
I loved going to those places and I went skydiving one time, one time. And now I'm afraid of anything taller than a ladder. Like I can't, <laughs> it was the most terrifying experience of my life. And when I got down there, like everybody else around me was like, oh, that was exhilarating. I'm like, that's, I almost shit myself. <laughs> that's, that's amazing to me though. because I would have thought ladders would seem like a, like a piece of cake to you after you've been jumping through the, the air like that. I can do ladders. But I can't do roller coasters. We went. My, my wife and I went to six or to Cedar Point um, when my daughter was young. We we went out to Cedar Point for a day, and we're going around. And I did like Millennium Force and some of the other coasters. And then they had some of the ones where your legs are just hanging off. And I was just like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, I couldn't. I I had a real hard time with it because I don't know what it was. It was just. I'll never forget the moment where we like sort of came, you know, we didn't go, we didn't clear the clouds, but you get to the point where you drop below the cloud cover and everything on all sides of you just opened up. And it was like the most terrifying sight. And even, even when the parachute like popped out and we started floating, I still didn't feel safe. I was, just, it was, it was crazy. Ooh. And, and my dreams got way more real because my brain knew what it felt like. So now it could torture me. Oh, no. With those. <laughs> You're giving me like secondhand anxiety right now. <laughs> my imagination is kind of running with what you're saying and I'm like feeling it. Oh, yeah. So any, any possibility of me enter, ever entering the X Games. I mean, those, that, those died when I was like 14, but, but <laughs> they definitely died a second time when I was 19. <laughs> yeah, see, I... I uh... I kind of wanted. I kind of want to try skydiving. I've always wanted to try that, but I I go to like a roller coaster place, you know, like a amusement park. You know those things where they lift you up eighty meters and then they just drop you. Yeah, yeah. Those they 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 sicken me. Like obviously, they're exhilarating as hell after you've done them. Right. But when you're on the top and you're waiting for the drop, I'm already dying. <laughs> You know, like not even we're not even in the drop, like before the drop, dying, and in the drop, I regret everything I've ever done in my life that led me to that point. My my grandfather was a parachuter in World War Two. He was a parachuter. God, what a that's what a man though. He oh he oh he was a man's man. I mean, he was also a, a very abusive alcoholic, but he was he definitely was a soldier, and. He was and one wouldn't of the you, Wouldn't you be an abusive alcoholic after jumping over Nazis in the parachute? From what I understand, he <laughs> wasn't that nice before the whole getting. No, there. I was just trying to bring some levity onto a dark. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, I'm sure that didn't help. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, no, anyway. So yeah, I have immense respect for people who just have no regard for their own personal safety and. <laughs> um. Let me let me ask you a question. Back to the back to the the sports thing because when when someone gets famous on your guys's, I'm gonna call it soccer. So just you know, deal with it. Yeah, I, I I'll, I'll tolerate it, but I won't deal with it. <laughs> so when someone gets famous on like one of your soccer teams, do is that one person treated with? Is that one person revered, and then everybody else is? like the rest of the team ignored or, or how, how is there marketing for your sports? Like how, how does that work in Norway? There's a lot of marketing. Like you buy shirts and scarves and all that stuff. Right. Um, 
I'm not that into the sport, so obviously what I'm saying should be taken with a fist of salt. Mm. Uh, but there, there is individual reverence. Um, uh, but I, I don't know if it's uh, if the rest of the team is ignored either. But there is always like one star on each team. Okay. Because I was wondering how that works. Because we have like, I don't know if you're familiar with Wheaties, this the cereal. I uh, know that it's a cereal because <laughs> you told me so now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyway, Wheaties is really famous in the United States for being like the, an athlete cereal. Like, you know, be sure to eat your Wheaties. And, and they always marketed themselves by having an immensely famous athlete on the cover of the box. So like Tiger Woods has been on it, uh, Michael Jordan, you know, like all the big ones. And uh, I was just wondering, because Norway has, with with Jantelovin, I was wondering if that would be a no-no. Oh, no, we don't have anything like that. No, no it doesn't go in that direction. Um, at most, in like, in relation to athletes and ads, it's more like... Uh, they'll go on like uh, an ad for like a gambler's website or something. I was, I was actually, uh, I was promoting promoting the gambler's website or. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Promoting the gambler's website. Okay. Uh, Like it's usually like uh, this because most of the ads you get these days, because no one watches TV anymore. uh, is stuff like either a store uh, or um, like bets on uh, Unibet come on one of those uh, websites where you can play poker yeah uh, i was actually i was actually i actually witnessed one of those ads uh, because i was uh, part of the crew for making one of those in bergen oh cool yeah it was like a little uh, a little job where you could um, i could make some extra money basically so i all i had to do was stand at the end of a street and just tell people ah they're doing an ad you can't go in there right now <laughs> do you do it like that do you like toss your hair back and ah oh, i'm sorry no not, not here. Yeah, I mean you have to because it's a there's there's no they they have no claim to the street, you know. Like anyone could just say no, fuck you, and walk in there. Like the, the we have no legal claim to the street, okay. uh, so uh, all uh, we have to do is just kind of tell people that there's taping happening in there, and uh, then people will be like, oh, oh, okay, I'll walk around. No, I was I was I was kind of teasing you a little bit for the way you said it because it sounded like a shampoo commercial type thing. You just. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, farm. <laughs> I should be in a shampoo commercial. Uh, uh, no, but then, then we had a celebrity who I didn't know he was a celebrity at the time. So that kind of pissed him off, I think. Because um, uh, in the breaks, you know, I was talking to the crew and everything. And uh, I was just talking to the one guy. I was like, because I was like, hey, what's your name? And he was like, you serious? And I was like, yeah. He was like, John Karab, John Karab, you know? And he's, he's, a, he's like a, a star footballer, like a Norwegian David Beckham kind of thing. Okay. Uh, and uh, I didn't know that. I just heard his name. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, what have you been in? You know? And he was like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know? And he was like, he didn't know what to say. So the woman standing next to him just kind of like, she was working PR and she just dropped in. It was like, Oh, he's one of the star players. And I was like, Oh, Oh, I'm really sorry, man. And uh, he was just kind of pissy. Uh, and then like 
next break, I went back up to him and was like, "Yeah, sorry about not recognizing you, man." And then he was kind of like, cool with it. He was like smiling and stuff because I think, I think the thing was that he thought I was like making fun of him. He didn't believe me. He genuinely didn't believe that I didn't know him. Oh, okay. Like, who are he, you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he thought I was being smug or something. Uh, like, uh, yeah, that I was just shitting on him. But I, I wasn't. I'm just ignorant. <laughs> so I think this is a good good place to point out what Jantelovin is because I didn't know about this before we well, started yeah. hanging out. So Jantelovin, the law of Jante, basically, is... Uh, it's this set of rules from this depressing Danish novel about like a dystopian little village, right? Uh, and uh, the whole set of rules is essentially stuff like you are not to think you are better than us. You are not to think you are smarter than us. You are not, you know, it's, 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 really, it's, it's, it's really grim, the novel, and the rule set sounds really grim. But Norway decided, you know, this is great. We should live by this. Uh, so we did. So to us, Janteloven is a positive thing. Because um, we treat it more as like, uh, we don't think we're better than each other. We don't think we're smarter than each other. We don't act like we're superior to anyone. We, uh, I actually have the rules up. I can read them. If we... oh, yeah, please do. Um, so they're, they're, they are kind of crazy for me. Like, I can't imagine a whole society functioning this way. But... It sounds like it's working. Um, the 10 rules state, you're not, I'm just reading this off Wikipedia. You're not to think you are anything special. You're not to think you are as good as we are. You're not to think you are smarter than we are. You're not to imagine self better than we are. You're not to think you know more than we do. You're not to think you are more important than we are. You're not to think that you are good at anything. Ouch. You're not to laugh at us. You're not to think anyone cares about you. You're not to think that you can teach us anything. Yeah, I mean that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't, because the first the first six I'm actually kind of on board with. You know, it's like you're not special. You're not. It's based. It's not. Yeah. It's not saying that there, that you shouldn't have a happy life. What it's saying is is that you aren't better than everyone else, so you your existence yeah, shouldn't trample on other people's. It's essentially just saying don't be cocky. But then it goes into like don't think you're special. Think anyone cares about you? No one cares about you. You're yeah. not. You're not good at anything. <laughs> yeah, you suck. Uh, but that's obviously that's the novel is dark and dystopian and depressing, uh, and the rules reflect that beautifully. Uh, but for some reason, in Norway specifically, we have decided that uh, we like these rules, so we don't follow them as the Ten Commandments. You know, and most people don't even can't even list those 10 rules i can't list yeah. um but we use jantelovan as an expression for uh don't be arrogant don't be smug uh yeah you know be be uh, be humble yeah. uh, and it works quite well for us um of course uh, it also means that in some situations we can be a bit shy uh about giving our opinion on certain matters and uh, you'll like very rarely find a Norwegian in like an office meeting uh, go like, I know what to do. You know, they'll all be like, well, I suppose, I mean, maybe it's a suggestion. We could try this. What do you guys think? You know, it'll be very much like that. Okay. You know, like no one is willing to take a hard stance and step up and be like, no, no one is dominating anything. 
we're all just kind of doing things by committee. Yeah. Um, and um, some people, uh, they don't like that. They criticize that. Uh, but the vast majority, uh, yeah, the vast majority are very happy with the system so far. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do, you uh, think, do you think it affects people's ability to dispense helpful criticism? Not like negative. Oh, no, yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who is uh, he's a very creative person. He's worked, uh, his, his mom is like, a, she, she was a teacher at the local theater uh, for many years. And uh, uh, yeah, his dad is like a children's book author. Uh, they're, they're like a very creative family. And he's a very creative guy. And he's uh, worked with a lot of actors because he's been an actor and everything. Sure. And he says, it's fucking painful in Norway to do any creative work. <laughs> because no one no one is willing to um, no one is willing to criticize something brutally uh, like uh, when you have a group of people that's why most movies in, made in Norway are pretty terrible because if someone has like an idea uh, no one is willing to really put them down if for that idea right they're just going like oh it, it'll yeah, there, there's no there's no hard barrier, um, and uh, of course, uh, you could say in a positive way that means there's no elitism. But if you're gonna create good art, you kind of need some elitism. But you need you you at least need a system. This is something I've struggled with because I, I run a poetry workshop for you know, over half a decade now, which is kind of crazy for me. But anyway, this. One of the things I struggled with in the poetry workshop is because I get a lot of published authors that come through and a lot of them are, are pretty humble. You know, they're like, they're, they're positive and they know how to identify stuff to work on and, and they can say it well, but some other people have a chip on their shoulder and I don't want to generalize too much, but it tends to be people with perhaps a lot of self-published books, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. but the, you know, they'll, I've had to, you know, kind of take some people aside and say, and, and they don't tend to come back. Like, you know, it's not, you can, you can give truth without being an asshole about it. And yeah, I don't say that because it sounds actual assholeish, but the, the, the whole point is, is that you can, you know, some people are like, you know, people don't like me because I just tell the truth. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a truth teller. It's like, you can tell the truth, but delivery counts too. You have to yeah. take people's feelings into consideration. And, and I'm wondering, because if it'd be one thing to like say, well, we need, you know, a jerk who's like, this script has a lot of problems. Fuck this script. I know how to fix it. Or, you know, but, but if, but if you can't even, if you can't even approach it and say, you know, I think that we, <laughs> there are some problem spots, you know, like in theater, when we, when, uh, when I was, when my theater professors at Marietta, they would say there are weak decisions and strong decisions. And it was a really good way to kind of talk about problems in scripts or performances or directing decisions or whatever, what have you. And, you know, the idea was this is perhaps not as strong as a, of a decision as this. I mean, could you see someone in like, you're, you're a part of a theater group in Norway. Do you yeah. see that happening ever? 
Uh, yeah, you could definitely do that. There's no problem uh, with doing that. In, in, in fact, actually, uh, people tend to like people who do that. Like people like when people take charge and um, break the Jantelovan, but no one is willing to do it themselves. I, I, I tend to be a bit of a over-the-top person myself because of my dad who didn't grow up in Norway. He grew up in Thailand. Uh, so um, we kind of, uh, we kind of uh, break a lot of the Norwegian customs because of that. And uh, it served me really well in social situations and group projects and stuff like that. Uh, it's just that most people don't want to be that guy because there there's kind of like a almost like an insecurity around it yeah you know but they don't dis- they don't, don't have any disdain for the actual action itself they tend to applaud it yeah yeah i i, I imagine that it's got to be a drawback i imagine that it's a drawback in in like business and creative areas but it's got to be hella useful if for politics oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I mean I, I think about one of the biggest issues in america is how tax money is spent you know <laughs> trump has been using like air force one to land outside of his you know rallies and stuff and and He's been managing to funnel stuff into his private properties because he didn't, you know, divest himself from his businesses. And an enormous amount of our money is spent on the military, way too much. Um, It goes to, you know, the the tax law that was passed in 2017 went almost entirely to the ultra wealthy. And a lot of the money we invest goes to our elite and not doesn't come back to us, even though we're the ones paying most of the taxes, or or us plus the arist- like the arist- aristocracy, you know, like the 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 not the one percent, but like the two percent to the ten percent pays an enormous amount of taxes yeah, the too. Upper echelons of society, right? And Yantelovin seems like it'd be really really useful for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it it definitely is. Uh, like um, when it comes to uh, Kind of like character reverence and and stuff like that in Norway. It's very different from other countries. Like you know how in uh, I don't know if you do this in in um, America, but uh, I know that they do it in England. Is that they they usually refer to their teachers or their their bosses by their last name. You know, like uh. uh I don't know, Miss Smith is like the teacher or uh, Mr. Johnson is the boss in the office, right? Yeah. Uh, or President Trump, right? Right. We we don't do that here at all. Really? Yeah, not at all. Like, uh, I I don't even know the last names of any of my teachers that I've had in my life. Okay, that, or my that's bosses. pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, like, um, we only refer to each other by first name. Even even our leader um, uh, Alma Solberg, we know her last name because it's often written Alma Solberg, but no one has ever called her Mrs. Mrs. Solberg, or or Prime Minister Solberg. They don't even do that in the newspaper. They call her Arna, uh, Alla, uh, or, or they just call her the Prime Minister. Okay. 
yeah, they refer to her by first name. And if you were to meet her in person, uh, you would uh, you would refer to her by first name as well, because otherwise you're you you come off a little weird. Yeah, it would be very weird to to like, you know, walk up to Obama or Trump and be like Barack, you know, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't happen. Uh, yeah. Well, in the, in Norway, you you would not refer to her by her last name. It would be very strange. Um, I noticed a weird divide because I, I was a chemistry and theater major, and so I spent a lot of time in those departments. And, uh, you know, my in the chemistry department, everybody wore like button down shirts and polos and and khakis and stuff. And and you know, I would go in there with like pajamas because <laughs> i i would be up you know the, the chemistry classes started very early and then i'd have labs all afternoon and then the theater classes would start maybe at one in the afternoon and then you would have other like night or after late afternoon classes and then you'd have play rehearsals until like two in the morning now you know what they say when in the lab wear your pajamas that's that, that is a saying it was for me at least and <laughs> <laughs> i noticed though because the work that was done in theater was emotional and yeah. you know you had to kind of let your guard down the, the, those those instructors we all called by their first name you know it was Jeff Steve Jane you know David and then in the the Shelby our, our science building um, which actually I think Shelby was technically the math building. The, the the science and math building was three had like two or three different names there was Ricky Shelby whatever Anyway, because there was a hodgepodge of things that were kind of crap, like stitched together. Anyway, the, the teachers there were all, you know, Dr. Pate, Dr. Egolf. You know, you didn't call them by their first. I, I'm, I'm sure I could have said, you know, hey, Kevin, and he would have, wouldn't have cared, I don't think, but it would have been very weird. And yeah. I never did. Like we went to, we went to New Orleans and uh, Chicago. Like we went to ACS conventions for days at a time and we would like you know get drinks with them and stuff but we still call them you know dr pate <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i do like that though it is a nice mark of respect to use people's title i feel i think it is because something we don't like because if you call someone a doctor right you are basically giving you're giving credit to all the education and effort they've gone through right Right, exactly. It seems nice to me. But you wouldn't you just wouldn't do that here. Like if you call your doctor anything, you would call uh, call her by her first name. Right. You know? Um yeah, like if you want to specify which doctor it is, you would say her full name, but you wouldn't ever refer to her by her last name even if talking to the 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 woman in reception. Right? Yeah. Right. And, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think that you, it should be, you should be able to earn a respect that doesn't make you better than other people, but it, but it does point to the successes that you've had, you know, and uh, it's like it, a medal. It's like wearing a medal on your name. Right, right. And, you know, some people will use, um, like, I think it was Maya Angelou was famous be before 
she got um she she got an, an honorary doctorate from like brown university or something and she started she started calling herself dr angelo and i think that's kind of <laughs> stupid it, i think it is and and like someone like dr oz the fact that he's like become such an entertainment staple and started peddling like alternative medicines and and has said like some blatantly dangerous stuff i feel like his doctorship should be removed you know i i don't i don't think there should be such a thing as honorary doctorates what the fuck is that (laughs) yeah are you a doctor or are you not a doctor I'm an honorary doctor. What does that mean? It means I'm a celebrity and I visited the university. Fuck off. It was it was Maya Angelou. Yeah. And and it's, I don't know who she is though. What did she do? She she's a very famous poet and uh she read for um Bill Bill Clinton during his inaugural speech. So up until Trump, presidents during their inauguration would have a poet read and usually it was like a poet laureate or some sort of other famous person and Maya Angelou read at Bill Clinton's and she read um she she wrote um I know I know why the caged bird sings which is a poem about abuse and she was heavily abused and she was she's a very skilled writer and and, you know I'll do you know I'll respect to her because she she's this is you know she died in 2014 but she uh I always thought that that was really really dumb of her I was like come on you're not she can be a good poet but that doesn't mean she's a fucking intellectual exactly and and you know she got she had dozens and dozens of honorary degrees and because she she was you know that inspirational and that skilled but at the same time you didn't do the academic work to get those degrees (laughs) no it's like you can't equate like i don't know what was her honorary doctorate then probably like English or writing or something probably English because I imagine most places don't have a creative writing doctorate your master's is the highest you can get in for creative writing in most places yeah. are a scam I'm sure they wouldn't they, I'm sure they wouldn't give like an honorary doctorate to a poet for like medicine <laughs> physics <laughs> yeah. but still still it's like would she be able to talk like would she be able to stand like toe-to-toe with an English doctor, would she be able to discuss that with the, like the, the 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 doctor? I don't know. To, to be honest, I really don't know. I doubt it because. But the thing is, is is, you know, I don't. Because she's an artist, right? She's just. Uh, she's just. She she hasn't. She doesn't know all of this stuff. She right. just feels it, and she does it. Feel she feels it and says it in a really great way. Which is what artists do when they're not educated, right? It it depends. So, like for my master's, uh, I got my MFA, and there's there's a difference between an MA and an MFA. So, Master of the Arts without the F is essentially that you know about your field. So, if you get an MA in English, you understand whatever you studied, you know. And I got my MFA in creative writing, and what that means is not only did I have to take literature classes to, you know uh literary criticism and you know studying different things like i took like a, a black literature course you know stuff just stuff like that and then but you also have to have a portfolio and you have to defend your creative integrity as an artist in order to graduate so when oh, yeah, i went to yeah, you told me about this once 
yeah so yeah we, we yeah so when, when i had to do like a thesis defense and i had to write about my style and i had to have a portfolio of my work and um so i would i would say i don't know what kind of education she had but i think that any any artist with a university education can probably talk fairly intelligently about the basics and the thing about a phd is you spend so much time having tunnel vision on one subject that it's really the the breadth of your knowledge is not besides what you specialize in and of course that that winds up overlapping with a whole bunch of other areas within your own field so it, it's not like you just know one thing but um if you get yeah, too I, far out of that realm that safe that safety realm uh that safety zone then you're really the knowledge you have is as good as anybody else with a bachelor's or a master's and so yeah, i think i know what you mean it's like it's like the opposite of a jack of all trades and a master of none it's like a master of one trait, but uh, not even a jack of most. Yeah, that's why they call it getting your masters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. So, but I think, so I, I think that you, you could stand, but the other thing is like the, the type of rigor and the type of thinking required to get your PhD really does change you. Like I know that when I left my master's program, I was far better equipped to talk intelligently about anything, not even just the stuff I studied, but just about anything, because I, I had a better understanding of what I didn't know. And I, I could, I could weigh more variables for, for just, just everyday stuff. Like, like, you know, talking about, um, uh, when we had to, uh, uh seating a lawn like you know i would have before i got my master's i think just gotten seed gotten some compost and just spread it and and maybe you know that's that might be just because i'm an idiot but i think um wait a minute your master's was in literature wasn't it it was in creative writing how the how the hell does that translate to you knowing how to seed a lawn better what I'm saying is, is it teaches you how to think and it teaches you how to weigh decisions and it teaches you how to be more careful when approaching a new subset of knowledge. It teaches you how to learn. So, uh, okay, okay. so I'm, not, I'm not saying it, it taught me others. That's, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to think of a good example. So I'm glad you clarified that because I, my yeah. clarification was way better than my example. So my example was terrible because um, I've never seen it along before. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it fell off at one point. <laughs> so, I think we're um, of the topic in general here because we haven't really discussed the differences between for a while. Oh yeah, okay, let's get back to that. We're 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 going way <laughs> way into problem territory, but yeah. <laughs> but yes, I do think that legitimate doctors should be called doctor, and I do like using you know the last name thing. And it, it it would boggle my mind to go through school and and just refer to every teacher's what about an elementary school would they would you use a last name in an elementary school no we wouldn't use the last name in any facet of our society at all that's nuts yeah that's yeah. crazy. yeah it doesn't matter if it's your boss it doesn't matter if it's the a policeman you don't use titles or anything like that there's no yeah. such thing as officer lawson in norway you know you either call him hey you or you call him by his name we just say officer most of the time i think oh we we don't even do that do they have name tags? Like if you get pulled over, 
Uh, I haven't been pulled over because um, I don't have a license. But uh, <laughs> I would have been pulled over if I did have a license because uh, the few times I have driven, it's uh, I'm reckless. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think uh, maybe yeah, they probably do wear a tag, but mostly you just ask them and they would give you their name because you know they're professionals, right? Yeah. Uh, but in general, yeah, you uh, you don't really use people's names that often. But when you do, you use the first name, and you never use a title for anything. Okay. The title is, uh, yeah, in general, the title is just there to know which office to find the person in. Sure. All right, I have another question for you. But before I ask that question, I'm going to give a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is hosted by Haircut Layaway. Start owing money on your next haircut today. Haircut layaway, it's the smart way to trim down your debt. <laughs> so you, you had mentioned that you don't have a license and that's actually really common in Bergen at least because you know yeah. everybody just kind of takes either public transit or walks and America was designed to be a car country. You know, we, we that was intentional. I mean, when mass transit became kind of a thing at the beginning of the, the 20th century, you know, we were installing like trams and setting up um, transportation systems. Uh, the oil and automobile in companies started undermining those efforts. So like in the 30s and 40s, when, when people were trying to set up like bus systems um, and, and what they did was they just undermined public sentiment with you know whatever and really got everybody to buy cars and our cities are really spread out like austin the most texas cities are wide i mean they're they're low density for a city and they just spread really wide so if you want to drive somewhere not only is there tons and tons of traffic because everybody has to drive everywhere but it takes a really long time to get to the other side of the city and, you know, I'm just wondering how different that is for you, because I'd only know a, a kind of the passing stuff you've mentioned, but you've never really gone into it. Well, uh, I think when it comes to public transport, we're doing pretty well. We can always do better. And uh, I, 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 I f I'm firmly uh, a believer in uh, proper public transport, like the Bergen light rail. I'm extremely proud of it. And uh, there is a heated debate about it. That's like, uh, of the political issues we have in Bergen, it's the light rail and the toll booths. <laughs> toll booths are kind of a national thing, but Bergen, the light rail is a big topic. You either love it or hate it, and people get angry at each other discussing it. So what's, what's with the light rail? What are, they, what are they talking about? So the light rail, just like this for people who don't know, it's essentially like, a subway but it's not sub it's just a way it's just like a subway above the ground sure yeah it's like a, a electrical little train uh that we use it's just a stripe that goes from the center of bergen to the airport and everything and the mall is on the way and there's lots of neighborhoods on the way and it's uh, it's a fantastic piece of transportation uh but some people get really pissy about it because they feel it's expensive uh, and they also feel like it's taking away uh, priority from cars. But we want fucking 
uh, a car-free society, the people who support the light rail. Sure. Uh, and I'm, I want to say the light rail, every single year since it's been built, it has a record number of users. Like it, every year it beats its own record. It's more and more every year. Now the big debate is whether or not it should go over uh, Bryggen, which is uh, our ancient docks. It's on the UNESCO World Heritage Site list. It's uh, where um, Norway used to sell stockfish to Europe through the Hanseatic League. Oh, geez. That's cool. Yeah, it's still standing there now. It's, uh, it's burned down a bunch of times, hence the name of the football team. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, the, it's one of, it's one of it's the pride of Bergen uh, and one of the prides of Norway in general. Um, and uh, we want the light rail to go across it where there is an asphalt road for cars now. And it's very irritating, the debate, but I'm not going to go into that now because that's not what you asked. Uh, uh, I'm, just, he, I'm, I'm just passionate about that topic. Sure. Fuck, what was it you asked? <laughs> we, we, <laughs> I, well, I did ask what the, what the debate was about, but you explained yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so public transport in Bergen is uh, it's very good. But of course, in some smaller towns, which most of Norway is, it's not fantastic. Uh, and in those places, you do need cars. Uh, we don't have many big cities in Norway. Uh, Bergen has uh, uh, roughly 600,000 people. No, it doesn't. Uh, Oslo has 600,000 people. That's our capital. Bergen has roughly 300,000 people. And it's the mo second most populated city. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, uh, look up Ohio City. Keep going. I'm going to look up the population of Ohio City. No, no, I don't need to hear about your millions. Uh, oh, so, yes. No, I'm, I'm doing it. Too late. <laughs> Too late. So, uh, basically, um, public transportation is very good here. Uh, like I've, I've, I have some shame about not getting a license because it is a passage into adulthood to get a license, especially as a man. There's a, there's a, you can kind of get a having a license as a woman socially. Um, but even then you kind of do, you do still feel like a child if you don't have one uh, as a man, it's just kind of more so, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, like I've had the chance to get my license. Uh, I have done test driving for it and stuff like that, but I was never really into it. Um, it's more like now I regret not being into it. Uh but I never needed it either, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's uh, never been a pressing matter. Uh, of course, hindsight 2020, as is the year. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, For the first listeners, that's the first time that joke has been made so far <laughs> by anyone. Yeah, yeah. There's not a single person. And if you heard about someone doing that joke or you hear someone doing that joke, uh, that's a person that owes me royalties. <laughs> retroactively <laughs> yep so yeah public transportation it's pretty good here um, but smaller towns it could be better and like the whole thing with cars in general though is it's kind of a new invention in Norway or a new phenomenon because if you go back to when my grandmother was a child right which is like the uh, you know 60s or 50s or she's uh she's in her mid 70s now uh when she was a child there was only 12 cars in all of norway 
Yeah. And uh, they were owned by uh, doctors and uh, and uh, polit- like politicians, like the prime minister would have one, uh, but mostly doctors in 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 far out places where they needed to reach people fast, right? Yeah. Uh, so they got a car there, but there was no asphalt roads. It was all like either just dirt or gravel. Uh, so it's in my grand- I'm sorry, go on. So in my grandma's uh, like uh, city uh, where she lived, the streets were like they had streets, but they were just for horses and for children to play with. Like they play their balls in there, and once a day, maybe a car would come by because the local doctor had one. And that's what that's what amazes me about Norway is because I grew up just thinking it was like every other Scandinavian country, but really, your guys' wealth is super recent. Oh, it's so recent, man. Like, I am part of the first generation that grew up in a, a developed country here. It's <laughs> nuts. And, and it's weird because your culture is super ancient, but your culture is also kind of not because it got changed so dramatically in the last year. Yeah. yeah, we've, we've kind of, uh, we've kind of uh, just went through a metamorphosis. Like, my parents... Uh, grew up in a developing country essentially yeah yeah like uh it when we uh after world war ii we decided to rebuild our our country right because we had to yeah the Nazis that occupied us and they, the whole country was just a burning hole uh, that was also frozen at the same time of course uh <laughs> so when the americans um gave us uh money through the the, the marshall aid plan right mm-hmm um we sat down as a nation and started debating how to use this money and essentially because norway is 90 percent ocean like it's a large country by uh, land mass teeny tiny by population uh but by ocean i think we may be the biggest if not at least top three countries in the world we have such massive oceans and we have like three of them yeah uh your coastline is, is really long. and Yeah, yeah. Like you put a pin in the bottom of Norway and then twist the top down. Uh, it reaches Italy and all of that is coastline. Yeah. Uh, so, um, which is also why the Nazis wanted to, you know, they, they wanted to use us to launch an invasion against Europe and America. Yeah. Uh, but that's that. Um, so since we had so much ocean, we uh, eventually managed to agree to look for oil in those oceans to find something uh, and we found a lot <laughs> and uh, at first we were just swimming in cash uh, with it uh, the Scots had kind of done the same thing so we share an ocean with the Scots uh, the North Sea um, and uh, uh, we both found oil in the North Sea, There's, that's where most of it was um, and they kind of burned through their cash immediately, building up infrastructure and living like kings on it. But then England ate most of their money and also they didn't have anything left once they'd spent it. And, and we were going a little differently by it. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because we're living in a frozen shithole and uh, we're used to uh, storing for the winter and for the future and stuff like that. But we essentially... Uh, when we got to the 90s, we had passed legislation that stated it was illegal to spend the oil money on anything inside Norway. Yeah, It was completely illegal. The oil money would only be spent 
on uh, on foreign investments, and then Norway would live off the the interest on that. And there's a there's a huge amount of money that's stored for future generations too. So that way the the yeah. wealth doesn't decrease, amount. which is and, another big difference. Like our, we don't have we don't have anything in place for future generations and anything that we did, you know, things like social security um, over the last few decades, our, our country leadership, mostly Republicans, I mean, <laughs> have been <laughs> dipping into that and, and pulling money out and, and they haven't been reinforcing those accounts. And so like social security is, is unless something is done, social security is going to fail in my lifetime and it's going to run out. Um, and we don't really have a lot of other, public protections that being said i should point out that like just the population of ohio is more than double the population of norway i mean we have 11 million people here and you guys have like 5.3 million in your whole country um and uh if, if you were interested the cleveland akron area the the metro area plus plus downtown has you know almost two has over two million people in it so and that's just one city. I mean, we've got Columbus and Akron and Youngstown and Dayton and Cincinnati and, you know, whatever. So <clears throat> it must be easier to decide how to spend a windfall like that for a less diverse, much smaller population because it's easier to protect the interests of a small amount of people with a large amount of cash. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. if you're a nation of squirrels, which it sounds like you are. <laughs> yeah, that's <true. laughs> So, like, if if you if you're interested in uh, knowing about the oil fund, I would visit uh, nbim.no/en. Uh, with the slash en, you will get in English. So, uh, that is uh, our that's a website showing the fund's mar- market value. Uh, there you get to see how much money we're making off the oil. It's crazy because it's a huge number, and it constantly goes up and down because you it's real time. Yeah. Like that's how we, because uh, in, in Norway, like the money belongs to the people, the money from the soil. Uh, and so you are just as you are uh, like entitled to see the money in your own bank account at any time you please, you are entitled to know exactly what's going on with this money at any time. Right. Uh, and that, that's great. That's great as a private citizen. I have to say though, if I was going to play like a video game and I could play any modern country. I probably would never pick Norway because it'd be so frustrating because you could never, as a leader, I wouldn't be able to get anything done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> If I played the United States, I'd have access to this massive military. I could spend taxpayer funds however I wanted, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think Norway is a boring place to, to play. <laughs> yeah. Great, pretty, pretty fantastic place to live as long as you don't get seasonal affective disorder, but. <laughs> yeah yeah if you don't like the dark or the cold this is not your place but if you do like comfort and uh, riches it's it's good it's a good spot in yeah. general i think it's a very good place to be born in because that means i can move to america or spain or china and live my life there but if i fuck up i can always just panic back to uh, to my uh to my starting zone and they'll take care of me yeah uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what's nice about the whole fun thing is you get to see everything is invested in too. Like they, they are, it's illegal for them to keep secrets. 
so you get to see every company it's invested in. Uh, you get to see uh, how each investment is doing each quarter, uh, just as if it was your own money, because it is. Although you're obviously not in charge, to, you can't take out money if you want. Yeah. It's spent on social goods. Um, it, it is not that easy to track money in, in the United States. Like you, you can, there are public reports you can view the federal and state and local levels, but those often don't account for, you know, private money flowing in and in and out of the system. And often times private money can be very, very, very closely tied up with, you know, your, your government money. So for instance, um, Cabela's is a really popular sporting store. And yeah. uh, one of the ways that Cabela originally made their money, it was pretty insidious. So they would go before they were even a major chain, they would go to these really small, they would go to like two or three small towns in a very rural district. So we're talking like rural Pennsylvania or, or any or West Virginia, Virginia, places that had Appalachia with a lot of hunting, like their demographics were Appalachia with a lot of uh, hunting grounds, you know, deer and, and whatnot, because hunting's pretty big here. Um, which it, oh, yeah, it's, it's huge, huge here as well, actually. So you have all those Alpine snipers. I assume it's big there too. Uh, <laughs> but we what they did was they would go to the local governments and say hey you know what let us set up this massive massive like walmart sized or dick sporting goods sized store and what we'll do is we'll set up like a museum and you'll get all this tax money back and you know it's going to be Anybody that's traveling from around the state will come to our store to buy hunting goods and, and whatnot. And then, you know, you, it'll be a big boon for your town. And these towns, which already had multiple small, uh, multiple small, like uh, locally owned stores, you know, those, those already existed. So if, what they what Cabela's would do is it would pit several towns against each other and be like, okay, what you need to do though, if, if we're going to come here is you got to give us uh, no, you, we pay no property tax for the first like 10 years, no sales tax for the first like five to 10 years. So whatever they sold, they weren't actually giving back to the state. And they're like, well, w- what benefit do we have? And they'd say, oh, well, you're going to see, you know, hundreds of thousands a month in people spending it at your restaurants and other places. And then when this sales tax period ends, then you'll start making money off of stuff spent at our store too. And uh, sometimes they could even strong arm them into giving them cash up front, you know, give us 100,000, 50,000 to set up a store or whatever. Uh, I think I've heard about this. This is the shit that uh, Amazon did too, isn't it? Amazon, theirs was a sort of, some of their warehouses, yes, but Amazon's strategy, I'm not as I'm not as in with that that they did pit a whole bunch of cities against each other when they were trying to build that super facility. They wanted to like bring in like fifty thousand jobs or whatever to a city, and they're like cities, what can you give us? Um, what Cabela's was doing is it was draining the pockets of uh, local governments, and sometimes state governments would get wrapped up in this. But they were draining the pockets of lo- local governments and giving nothing back, and then. 
when that sales tax period would end and the property tax, you know, those deadlines would hit, they would either negotiate to get those things extended or they would just leave. <laughs> they would just shut down the business there. And they built a massive chain of Cabela's doing this. And they, they ran tons of, you know, local people out of business and they caused massive, massive, you know, damage to the economies of these, of these small towns um, because they were spending money to have a company that would give nothing back. And it was very, very difficult to track how this was being done because a lot of, a lot of these transactions and these, these deals were hidden. And so it was a really long time before journalists caught, even managed to catch wind of it. Because, uh, you know, there, there are writers and journalists who focus exclusively on, you know, companies, you know, abusing local cities and stuff. So um, none of that stuff was, was public. And, and any of the information that would set up a trail that would lead you to, to what was happening were, was obscured as much as possible. So for you guys to have this is our fossil fuel investment and this is all yours and this is what it is right now at any given moment and you can follow the graph back to its inception that's nuts to me <laughs> it blows <Yeah>. my mind <laughs> it's uh it's honestly I'm, I'm i'm pretty proud of that too it's a it's a nice it's a nice thing yeah yeah you should be that's cool yeah it is kind of creepy to look at the number though if you go to the website because you just see this massive amount of money that's just like crashing down and then crashing up and it's just like holy shit i've never seen that much gold in my life and I, I have a hard time conceptualizing it because it 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 it's not american currency <laughs> So it, it seems like a lot more than it really is even though it's still an insane amount of money <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You just remove a zero to make it American, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, remove one number, and then it's American. Yeah. Man. That's spooky, man. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm sure there's there's all sorts of stuff that... Uh, do you have any other differences you want to cover? Uh, probably I mean, we, none, but uh, we, we have spent a lot of time now, and we do digress a lot. Do you have anything you want to digress or digressions? Yeah. <laughs> do you do you have anything you want to talk about? Uh, one one last time, or maybe this would be a topic for another time. I want to talk about how your one one thing that has always interested me is when we talk about um, you know politics. It, yeah. It's interesting that your society because because a, a big thing for like a centrist or an independent or, or, you know, in America is they'll say, I am financially conservative, but I am socially, you know, liberal. And what they, what they mean by that is, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I care about taxes and I vote on that, but also I think gays should get married or whatever, you know, that's, that's kind of like the takeaway. And What's kind of interesting to me is it seems like Norway's a little bit the opposite, where you guys are very financially liberal, you know, windfalls, you know, safety nets for everybody. Yeah. But your society is so equal. You, I mean, you keep you keep ranking like, you know, 17, 16 times in the last 20 years or whatever, the most equal society, whatever, whatever metrics are used to judge that sort of thing. But you guys have the most equal, you know, 
rights and and wages and everything else for men, women, minorities, whatever, um, that your society is more conservative socially as a culture. And I feel like we've run into that, just you and I talking like over and over again. Yeah, I, th- I think it depends maybe on the area. Like, uh, I don't know that we're that conservative when it comes to gay rights, for instance. No, 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 no. Not yeah, even the most conservative person I know, like, all they can say is that they, they wouldn't want to watch gay porn. That's basically as conservative as it gets. Well, that's fair. I mean, if you're not gay, gay porn yeah. really... can't really make people do <laughs> really be that helpful <laughs> no right but i i can't think of anyone that says gay marriage shouldn't be a thing or you know i i can't think who would say that and okay like, so maybe i worded that wrong i apologize let me let me try again i don't apologize man just explain <laughs> All right, no prisoners i don't care what you think <laughs> let me try again let me try again uh so when we talk about like you know <clears throat> My, like equality and stuff because America has very challenging equality differences to overcome and a lot of these things have been sewn into the fabric of our culture since the beginning yeah you guys do not have that and especially since I'm gonna call it the mid-20th century reformate oil reformation um your society has only gotten more equal. So it, it, when, when you and I talk, sometimes it'll be interesting because issues of equality don't seem as big of a deal. Whereas for me or just America in general, they are. And I find it's, maybe all I'm saying is that I think it's interesting to talk to someone from a much more equal society and to hear like some like a lot of your a lot of times they'll be like well just treat everybody equally and it's fine and that's true if your country is already equal whereas our country is not as equal and that kind of rhetoric is usually used by more right-leaning mindsets because they're like well i'm not racist you know, I know, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But how their vote translate winds up disaffecting a good, you know, portion of the country anyway. So even if they're not racist, which I believe that they're not, when they, you know, when they tell me that, you know, I, I believe that maybe they don't understand institutional racism, but they don't hate black people themselves or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But their vote still winds up becoming something that that disaffects people. And hearing the like, oh. Just, just treat every everybody equally has a very different impact depending on where you say it. Yeah, it depends on what the status quo is, right? Yeah. So, like, if everyone is equal, then just yeah, keep it up. But if uh, there is a huge disparity in like what groups of people or what position they have in society, then like keep it up doesn't sound so great. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because like sites like Reddit you know, you'll see people make those arguments. Like, I don't understand why America has such a big issue with this. It, it, actually, when, when Chris was on our podcast episode, he had said, you know, 
why are politics in America so like, why is everybody so crazy about politics? Yeah, I forget what he said exactly. He's like, you guys are so passionate about it. And it's like, well, our politics tend to involve much more fundamental issues. I remember that. And yeah. I think that that reminds me of the, the, you know, just treat everybody equally statement because I'll yeah. see that on Reddit now and I'll be like, oh, maybe that person's not, you know, maybe that person just lives in a different country. And I've started like messaging people just to, you know, private messaging them because I don't want to start a big thing because Redditors are like crazy. But yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll private message and I'm like, well, hey, where do you live? And a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm in, I'm in Belgium. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the problem with the internet, right? Is that uh, you you would you would automatically assume that the person you're talking to is from where you are from. Yeah, I I do assume that the vast majority are from America, and it wasn't until I started, until you and I talked, and I started private messaging people that I found that a whole bunch weren't from America. Yeah, because uh, we met through Reddit as well. I mean, we did meet through Reddit. We met through the Total War Forum. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I knew that not everybody was from America, but but you know the, even the politics subreddit is is overwhelmed with American news, so it it, it doesn't it's help. Exciting to us, right? Like but, uh, if I'm checking out politics, unless it's now, it's very recent in my life that I've actually checked out local politics uh, or Norwegian politics at all. Uh, all my outside of this year essentially is about the US or the UK and yeah. I, w I wasn't even aware of the UK at all before I lived there <laughs> you know, I'm really into it there because it's much more exciting like the that passion you guys have that uh, no offense lunacy that goes on right oh no it's lunacy I, I will I will freely admit it's all lunacy yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. It's almost addictive, you know. It's like uh, it's you feel like a moth drawn to the flame, you know. Yeah. You wanna you wanna see what is this racket about? It's like if there's a quiet neighborhood and one house is just going crazy, you know. You're either gonna complain about it or you're gonna try to get into the party. You know, you're gonna visit them. You wanna find out what's going on. Yeah, and and I America, that is that loud house in the street. It's uh. It's a, it's an building that either annoys you or fascinates you. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Malcolm in the middle family on their street. Like every time they leave, there's a black party. Cause they're so excited. They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's, yeah, they're by far the most interesting family, which is why there's a whole show about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you wouldn't create a show about one of the chill families around. That's boring. Right. No. Yeah, I thought I thought you were gonna ask uh, with the social uh, conservative thing. I thought you were gonna ask about the Norwegian paradox, actually. Um, oh, no, no, you meant, but we have talked about that before. Mention that because I do think it's very interesting. Yeah, because uh, the the Norwegian paradox is essentially that Norway is, uh, by all metrics, the most equal country in the world, but we also have the one of the largest gaps of like which gender picks which profession. So men tend to be engineers, tractor things, uh, police officers. Actually, that one's changing. Uh, but men, men tend to go for the masculine professions, the technical ones. And women tend to go for uh, the more social professions, such as teacher, doctor, 
uh, you know, nurse, kindergarten person, uh, any anything that works with people, social, uh, yeah, social worker, all of those jobs. Women tend to hair. Yeah, um, and uh, it's there's been a, there's been a lot of like uh, different research on it, and that research doesn't tend to be popular in, in Norway because uh, the people who tend to do that kind of research tend to be very far left leaning, which is very unusual socially here, right? Yeah. So uh, they don't tend to like it when it's brought up, uh, but foreign scientists. Uh, uh, they they have basically they've already solved it, so it's not really a paradox. Um, and they figured out that it's essentially that uh, when you don't have to, because if you go to like places like Iran and stuff, right, or uh, India, women will do technical professions there. Yeah, you know, uh, especially India and Pakistan and stuff like that. When, when women search for jobs, they will try to get into like engineering school and stuff like that, because that's where the money is. Sure. But in Norway, the money's everywhere. You can work in, uh, you know, the fucking uh, Rematusen, which is our regular fucking store. You know, it's a grocery store. Uh, you can work there for your whole life if you want. And you'll have a house. You'll have a car. You'll be able to take care of your family. Right? It's gonna. Yeah. There's no economical problem for anyone here. Um, the only thing is, like, if you work that kind of a job, of course, you're just gonna, not going to feel great about yourself because, you know, it doesn't really fulfill that top of the Maslow's pyramid. But that's a whole different thing. Cause, yeah, because prestige is still a thing. And yeah, you still want to you still want to follow a dream, right? Doesn't, it's not, stacking shelves is no one's dream. Right. Maybe running uh, or, or managing a, a, a grocery store can be your dream. A lot of people could have that dream. No one's going to judge you if you want to stack shelves for the rest of your life. But you yourself aren't gonna, you know, feel fulfilled. Uh, but that's that's not neither here nor there. The whole point is you can do it. There's no money incentive not to. Essentially, yeah. Norway like, provides such a good baseline for studying this because most of the job, every you know, every single job gives you a living wage enough to live comfortably. Yeah. Like and so America in the 1950s, people, people tend to kind of go towards their natural interests. And uh, yeah, like evolutionary scientists have all gone into this and found out that testosterone production does actually affect uh, your interests. Like, Which is interesting because yeah, it men tend to be more interest, tend to lean towards more like things, and women tend to lean more towards people. They even check this on babies that are so fresh, like their babies are recently born, like within an hour, right? They're so fresh that they haven't had time to have anyone do like, oh, who's a sweet little girl or who's a tough little boy? You know, they haven't had time for that even. They've done, and then they've shown like a picture of like a car or a, a Lego piece or something. And then they show a picture of a face. And most of the cases, the female babies tend to look at the picture of the face more. While the boys tend to look more at the thing. Hmm. This, of course, very general because some girls, of course, have higher testosterone production and they might be really interested in engineering and stuff like that, right? Sure. But on the vast majority, right, uh, it, it, it doesn't happen to be that way. Um, there's explanations for this. Uh, it can have to do with, I don't know exactly why it's good for boys to look for things, uh, but it's, 
it's good for girls obviously to be social and be socially adept because if you're pregnant you're gonna you're gonna need the, the aid of your tribe your group right yeah so if you're if you're socially stupid uh, that that and you kind of like don't get that aid you're not good at it, it your 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 gene is gonna it's gonna die out yeah well um, and and that's it's it's funny because well I guess it's not funny because it's it's tragic and it affects millions of people in, in America but yeah. in America you know there's we are highly unequal and our jobs are highly stratified so you know minimum wage and I, I saw like there there was just a, a a massive like tens of thousands of of people across all fifty states done where they were looking at different jobs not tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of communities. And they found that in no state could you make, could you work a full-time minimum wage job and afford a two bedroom apartment in the majority of the state. Yeah. So yeah. Th- that, that kind of job stratification means that it is much more important for for people, for, for, you know, women to be able to go into STEM fields, to be represented, to, to have, to find, because equality here is found only through job success. And, you know, the, the number, the middle class as it's blinking out of existence means that the, the amount of competition for those higher page jobs is, is shrinking. So it, it, it's very difficult for, you know, a certain person of a certain demographic in a certain location to get anywhere. And so what has happened, I think, and and I think a lot of liberal people would be very resistant to that paradox, (laughs) that research, because the, the idea of equality has, has been centered around the gender aspect and not the job and, and wage you know, stagnation and like the, this, the, the economic side. And yeah, so you're not really doing anyone a favor by forcing people to do, do a job they don't want to do. It's right. like what the nice thing about Norway is that the money issue has been kind of, we're surpassed it, right? Yeah. You don't get a job for the money here. I mean, you could, if that's your ambition, but you don't have to, Right. Yeah, uh, you get a job because you want to do that job. You're passionate about it, and then when their money isn't an issue, people tend to go towards their interests. So women tend to go towards people, and men tend to go towards uh, you know building shit. Um, and um, it's uh, it's 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 working out well, but we do we do still like we we do get affected by news from America and stuff. So there is still uh for some some young women there's still a bit of a shame like most young women still do just go for nurses and stuff like even if you just go to tinder and swipe through all of them nearly everyone is for you know nurse or something like that it says yeah. on the profile or if you ask most people they want to work with some kind of medical profession or educational stuff sure but there is also kind of uh a shame connected to being too girly girly you know what you know which is which is kind of sad women shouldn't feel like they have to be be meant to be to be equal you know what i think i think the flip side of that 
what you're doing. I think, that's no, matter, I think no matter what, there's going to be social pressure to be a certain yeah. way. So yeah, there's, there's always going to be that, but it's you're, you're not doing anyone a favor by telling them that they're they're anti-feminist if they want to work with people. No, because all the, all you're doing then is you're shaming people into doing a job they don't necessarily want. Right. Having said that, like we do give enormous incentives to get women to do engineering jobs and stuff. Like uh, if you want to get into engineering school in Norway uh, and you're female, uh, you, your barrier for entry is much lower. Like you don't need as good grades to get in. Hmm. That's and and uh, companies do get financial incentives from the state to hire females. And they still have, they still have lower turnout. Yeah. We, we just, it's, we're not able to surpass it. It's, uh, it's a paradox to Norwegian like gender scientists, but it isn't to anyone else in Europe. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's kind of one of those things where you don't want it to be true. And and if and if listeners want to look it up, I mean the Norwegian paradox is on Wikipedia. This it's not like it's hard to find. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a very discussed topic. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's I think it's becoming more popular as a topic now as well. Uh, because of uh, all the heated political debates over there, and people like to use Norway as a benchmark for whatever the hell they want to talk about, without without having the proper context of oh hey, yeah. our society is wholly unequal financially. Like it doesn't help to point. Yeah, out society that's, that's like unless you fix that issue. Like unless a nurse can support her whole family uh, on her wage, uh, she kind of has to go into STEM fields. Right, you're forcing her. Right. Yeah. It's uh, you. You have to be able to have any job and be fine, if you're gonna have uh, this kind of equality where people can do what they want and also not be like, yeah. If you want, if you want to live in a place where everyone is happy and everyone is well taken care of, you got to make sure that every choice is a valid choice. Exactly. That's that's why um, one of my biggest criticisms of freedom of choice here is that usually there is no choice. So like, oh, well, we want the choice of what, you know, insurance provider, but I don't have a choice. It's what, can you, it's what you can afford and what your employer offers you. Do you think like an employer has like 15 different, I've never worked for, like I worked for several different employers before I became, not several, I guess three, but, you know, before becoming a freelancer and none of them really had choice. The one, my, uh, the Fortune 500 I worked at, you could choose, from the same company, they offered like an HMO and, you know, the, the, the different, uh, I forget, I forget what they're called, like PPT plans or whatever, but they're, I'm probably getting the acronym wrong, but there were, there were like a few different plans you could pick. They're all from the same company. Um, and then other places, they just had like, here's the bronze, silver, and gold. Just pick what you can buy, what you want to buy, what you think your deductible should be. Mm. And that's not choice. That's, that's just getting financially screwed over so an insurance company can maximize profit <laughs> yeah that doesn't sound good at all <laughs> but anyway that's very interesting stuff um but i think this is a good place to wrap it up um, yeah okay so uh this has been moot please follow us on twitter at the moot podcast and visit us at the moot subreddit and uh thank you for listening all right peace